difficult, 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 women. Hey. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Welcome to the show. Thank you for welcoming me. <laughs> I don't Can know. Can I welcome the listeners now? Okay. Welcome. Welcome, listeners. Hi, I'm Marie. I'm Katie. And we're difficult women. That's correct. <laughs> we're also the band called Reformed Tours. You should look it up. I'm squatting right now to, I should figure you out can, a better. We can readjust. Hold on. I mean, re- readjust. Yeah. Get, I have been working on my, my my squat, my quads. What's oh, that? I don't know. I don't Your know. Butt? My, my big, big old booty. Gluteus maximus medius minimus. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yep. Anyway, how you doing, girl? I'm good. So listen, I have something very important I need to tell everybody. I can't wait to hear this I because text, yes. Ka- Katie texted me, I don't know what time, at it was 1 like in the middle of the night. Uh, we have to talk about female orgasms on the podcast. On the, for the po- well, we're not like, we, we always talk about that stuff but on the podcast specifically. Yes, <laughs> but I was like, something happened, girlfriend. What oh, happened? Okay, she said, so, save it for the pod. Here's the thing: everyone's gonna get real mad at me when I say this, but you Ooh. gotta hear me out. Okay, I watched an episode of Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop show. I did too, and there she has a female orgasm vulva episode. Oh, it is. I understand people don't love her. I totally get it. She's sort of she feels definitely a little out of touch about some things. This episode is a must watch for every single human being on the planet. They talk they they just nail like a lot of these problems that women have with feeling intimacy and being and they talk about there's this like 90 year old sex expert that's on talking about stuff. She's been helping people orgasm women orgasm for like 50 years or something. She's like and she talks about how you have to control the fuck. The woman has to control the fuck. And I was like, I love this so much. And then they they she just (laughs) teaches people women about their bodies and how women shouldn't be passive uh, passive in the, their, the bedroom, they mm. should also be a part active participant, which is something that we are talking about all the I mean, right. I'm always like, well, I was promoting. just reading a thing about masturbation. If if you don't know uh, what makes how to make right. yourself come, how would you expect somebody else to? And also, the episode talks a lot about how do you say what you want, and women mm-hmm. are very bad. Oh at yeah, I've been doing so that. bad at that. But you know, let me tell you, Get in better. my 30s now, I tell the man exactly what to do. I'm very bossy. <laughs> That's <laughs> not surprising. Uh, someone's like, oh, what was that thing that guy said to me? That he was like, um, wait, hold on, that was so funny. He was like, he was like, uh, get that's who's are that, you? Who's that whose dick is? Oh that? yeah, oh yeah. He was oh, like, wait. he was like, um, yeah, like he was like, is that my pussy? And I was like, no, but that's my dick. And then I was just like, ah, boom. He, he, he didn't call me again. Well, I watched the first episode <laughs> of Goop uh, about uh, psychedelic mushrooms. And oh, I yeah. was like that. I, I'm a full advocate for it. Yeah, I think Go I don't. I didn't it. watch any other episodes. I know people don't love her, but I don't care. You, everybody must watch this, and then we're gonna do an episode about female orgasm. Love it. Okay, okay that's done. all. That's all I had to say. Well, this was a fun conversation to be had because we have a guest. Yes, who's <laughs> in the room with us right now? <laughs> we're actually at his apartment in Astoria, Sorry. Queens, <laughs> and <laughs> talking about female orgasms. But the greatest thing about this conversation and having him here is number one. He is the first, he is the first man on Difficult Women. Yay. Yeah. And uh, one of the biggest feminists we know. Hey, um, yeah. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and introduce him. Katie, you take the mic. So folks, Katie and I are sharing the mic, so that it's it's going to be a challenge. But so Katie, why don't you introduce our man guest? <laughs> um, well, today we have the wonderful, handsome, Lovely, talented Zach Miko. He was, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the first brawn 
model yes. with IMG, well, yeah. at least, if not more. I think. Well, I, we we made up the term brawn, so I guess I'm the first brawn oh. model because it didn't. We 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 made that up. Um, no, yeah, I was the first uh, brawn, big and tall, plus size male, whatever you want to call it, model signed to a major agency and to do work for a major brand. I always put all those caveats in there because there's plenty of dudes taking photos of themselves on the internet <laughs> that like that like no see, that oh have, God, have like sure. been trying to be a model and they're like Zach's not the first I've been putting out photos forever and I'm like you're right you were I don't know but I but I got signed to an agency so that's why it happened but we know Zach because we all started doing musical comedy together mm-hmm. almost 10 years ago now or so isn't that insane it is crazy but I just Zach- had something pop up on Facebook from like just a video Karen and I did, and they're like, it was like six or seven years ago, and I was like, ugh, gross. <laughs> I was like, how is that so long ago already? But he's in a musical comedy duo also called The Dream Stocks, and yes. his partner currently lives in Florida. I know. But they have- Rest in peace. You have an album. Oh, it's over. It's done? No, it's not. I bet no, there'll no, be no, a no, reunion. It, no, no, it's not over. I'm saying she can rest in peace for moving to Florida, so I hope- <laughs> I don't know. She lives in Orlando. It's lovely. It's but, more peaceful. That's what you're trying to say. It's very peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> what, did, what did you think I meant? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go great. golfing or something oh, or whatever yeah, you do there. Um, but also, so you where, is there a place that they can hear all your music and stuff? Yeah, we're on Spotify. Great. Do people get paid for Spotify? I don't we think don't. we have enough <laughs> listeners to get paid for it. I got paid from ASCAP recently. A dollar seventy-four. Well, Thank good you. for you. For our music. For my publishing. Because you have publishing, too. You should check that out. But... Uh, yeah, make sure you get that dollar you get seventy-five. Half. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I had thirty-five cents. Is my <laughs> I remember one time we got something from like I can't remember what, but it was like from CD Baby, and it was like we had money in our CD Baby account for years that we knew nothing about, and all of a sudden Karen calls me. She's like, "We have a hundred and thirty-five dollars." So I was like, "Get out!" That's a good. That's good. That's, that's a great number in the musical comedy world. It's <laughs> <laughs> like you're like you've made it. Yeah. <laughs> But okay, so let's get into it because yeah. you did not move to New York City to become a supermodel. Absolutely not. You didn't. No, I mean, you know, I would have. It would have been great if I knew that was one of the options, mm-hmm. and I'm glad it is one of the options. Right. Uh, but no, I moved to New York City um, twelve years ago. I don't know, eleven years ago, right before Dream Stocks, um, <laughs> to become be an actor. Like most people move here, I was. Very into musical theater, and then after my first year here, stopped doing that because everyone was way better than me. So I moved into TV and film, like most people do after they can't do musical theater. Um, and yeah, that's what. I, and I got discovered. Um, discovered. I hate that word, but I'm using quotation fingers. You can't see it. Um, I got discovered by IMG models. Um, for I was I did a random Target ad and I showed up to the audition just thinking it was a regular commercial thing. I didn't know it was for fa- their fashion side of stuff, and I did a small ad for them. And the next thing I know, the president of IMG Models was sending me an Instagram message. Now, when that happened, didn't before you got the IMG message, were pe- like the internet exploded though, right? There like, was a lot. There, you yeah, yeah. Had, you were like a viral hit. What happened was campaign. my this. So I'm on Facebook. I did the photos. Didn't think anything of it. Was like, oh, this is cool. Rent's paid this month, or my half of the rent, rather. And I, <laughs> and I was like, he's married, ladies. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, oh, good. Rent's paid. Everything's great. Um, didn't think much of it. And then 
on a mutual friend, I saw them post something on Facebook. It was an article from a blog called Chubster, um, which said, did Target just sneak a plus size man into their ads? And I saw the article and was like, that's, that's me. That's who I am. So I wrote to the guy at like whoever ran the blog at Chubster, turns out his name is Bruce Sturgill. He's a lovely man who I've worked with many times since and love him. But I didn't know who he was at the time. So I just wrote him to like the contact here page on the blog. I was like, hi, that's that's me if you want to talk. And we did. I did an interview with him. And then the interview he did with me got picked up by like BuzzFeed and Huffington Post and all of the online media type people. And then I did a spread in the New York Post and I was on Good Morning America. And after the New York Post thing, that's when the president of IMG Models reached out to me because he apparently reads the New York Post. And he had been wanting, little did I know, he had been wanting to do like big and tall guys for a long time uh, because IMG is one of the ones who really pushed um, female plus models or curved models forward. So they really wanted to be a part of the next wave. They'd had such, such success with the female models. They're like, let's give it a whirl with the dude. I mean, that makes so much sense too. That yeah. So then you were the first one that they had the yes. design yeah. and then since then have they been signing other yeah. men and- yeah there's seven or eight of us I think there's seven of us on the uh, board at IMG but since then uh, so IMG has seven of us then Wilhelmina has opened up a board state management bridge models like everyone's just starting big and tall like whatever they call it they, call, they each call it a different thing we call it brawn Wilhelmina calls it titans which is a cooler no i don't think it's a cooler name but <laughs> it is like a oh okay yeah. it's very very forceful huh. um <laughs> you know what's sorry so you like walked big runways you yeah. are you're working with dolce and gabbana which now, is right? weird which is crazy yeah you are literally living the lives that so many young girls had dreamed of <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange to be honest because like and I think when you when you want to do anything else, like when you move to the city, everyone moves to the city with a dream, whether it's music or modeling or acting or whatever. Are and when you start becoming successful at a completely different thing, it's a total mind fuck because mm. you're just kind of like like I'm very and I love it now. Now I've I've grown to love modeling and fashion so much now that I've seen what it could do, but it wasn't on my radar at all. So it was always like this weird feeling of like knowing that I was it was almost this weird feeling. I was like, am I stealing someone else's dream right now? Oh. Like, is someone is someone really upset with me? But, you know, so one thing with, like, we've talked about that with our band. Like, we, the success that we've had through the band, that wasn't what we started, to set out to do when we moved to New York City either. It was yeah. like so, we fell into it so backward, ass backwards. It was sort of crazy. But I think one of the reasons why people sometimes are successful in a different field is because they don't care so much. So there's like a relaxedness around it. Yeah. Where if you really want something, you're holding onto it so tightly that it's hard for people, like the energy's not good. I've know? ruined so many acting opportunities by be like wanting it way too badly and yeah. freaking out. And I keep getting, like I do, I think exactly as you said, because modeling has been so I've been so relaxed about it because I, for one, when I started, had no idea what I was doing. And now that I am, I being the, I don't like using the term pioneer, but being one of the first people to do it for brands, I know what they're looking for because I was the first one who did it for them. So it was easy. And it's like, it's weird. It's super weird, but it's also exciting. And I didn't know it would have as big of an impact as it did. Like, it's very... 
I get messages every day from people just being like, oh my God, thanks. I was a fat kid in school. I was this. I'm still a big guy. I always felt weird. And now you're like giving me some legitimization of my existence, which is cool. It's kind of like I've turned my whole focus on modeling ever since I started because it wasn't something I originally dreamed of was just to try to help alleviate the insecurities I grew up with in other people so they don't have to grow up with the same or if they have them they can just at least identify them and call out the bullshit that they are easier well I think that that's what's so amazing about you being a model is you you are continuing to have this dialogue of, bo- of body positivity and I think no offense to models sometimes I I want to know more about that person yeah. and and they don't have that platform or um, ability in themselves to like to talk openly about, you know, where they came from or where they want what their goals are or whatever. But with you, I feel like because you kind of fell in this ass backwards like we did in musical comedy, you've become this just very nonchalant voice of uh, bigger taller people everywhere you know i I mean mean you google your name and you you've been writing uh are you still writing for chubster yeah we're actually just starting up i took a little break from writing for chubster because i just had a baby yeah new father alert new father uh her name is uh margaret Catherine miko and she's wonderful love it um and you know laura and i are just my wife laura we're just trying to like figure out how to exist from day to day with a baby it really throws everything out of whack so i kind of paused like not everything but i paused a lot of things but you have an advice column or you were writing advice column yeah and i'm gonna be going back to doing that i had a podcast which we did two seasons of uh, there may be a third coming up. There may be. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You've We're been pitching television life. shows. I mean, oh I think God. that there's there are people that want to know what you have to say. Yeah. Like you are a very smart, intellectual person who well, makes you. me feel good about my body. Oh, thank you. You know. <laughs> I've been struggling lately, let me tell you. January oh, is the worst. <laughs> oh, I've, January is the time every single one of us in the world gain weight. Mm-hmm. So it's just a t- because you're coming off the holidays and also just us as mammals, especially us that live in a northern climate, <laughs> our body as animals mm-hmm. is like it's the winter. Put on fat so you don't die. So you're literally, your metabolism slows down and it's easier to put on weight just because that's what your body wants to do. Yeah. And it's and you kick yourself for it and like even me after all of this being a member of the body positive movement for so long and intellectually knowing everything, I've still gained 10 pounds since December <laughs> and I'm like what happened? Right. Have you seen like because you are modeling alongside uh you know very thin models too yeah. I imagine. Have you seen some crazy things where people are not taking care of their bodies very well? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, uh, actually, the, one of the things that's really nice about being part of the plus modeling community is the freedom to kind of act like a human being. Because we do, I mean, everyone, all the female models, female plus models I know, work out harder and eat healthier than anyone I know. They are so focused on their bodies and they're so focused on everything. Um, but not, and sometimes to an unhealthy point, but you, but I find it way more common in straight size modeling, the need to stay to the double zero size, especially if you're doing runway, if you're doing runway, that's the hardest and runway, you have to be 
basically a clothing hanger. Now that's changing because a lot more designers are designing for more sizes. So it's been, I mean, the last two fashion weeks have been the most inclusive body diversity wise we've ever seen. Um, but still such a long way to go. Even though that happened, there still hasn't been a plus size guy to walk in New York fashion week. There has been one in a showcase for ASOS. Um, so that's very cool, but it's not, there hasn't been anyone in the main shows yet, but it's kind one of day. incredible how like they didn't just jump on that immediately when everything was shifting. But I mean, I, it's just the we know these we we talk about this all the time. Things move so slowly with these so changes. So slowly, Can't, fashion specifically, so yeah. so slowly. And I and it wasn't until I was in the industry because I would always be like, well, why don't they just make clothing our size? And that's easy for smaller brands to do. Mm-hmm. But when you're just like, how come? Uh, let me, I gotta pick someone carefully. Uh, um, let's say, okay, let's say Brooks Brothers. I know this just because they have expanded their sizes, so I'll be nice to them. But when it, <laughs> but it's, whenever you talk about modeling, you're always like, someone, well, someone might pay me one day. So let me pick, let me pick someone who has at one point paid me and is already doing a good job. So Brooks Brothers is a good example. They did extend their line. Um, it's not an easy thing. They're such a nationwide brand that any dis- you add a size to your line, you're talking millions and millions of dollars in order to invest. It's not, you know, one of the cool shops down in Soho that just has their one shop and they do a couple limited pieces. Those are easy to do. But when you're and you're dealing with like 6 month lead times, like if I had an idea now for clothing, Hopefully by next year I could get it out. It's such a long, slow process. I'd be curious to know too, though, like if um, Brooks Brothers, now that they've expanded their line, if they've, I, I, it just to me it would seem logical that then that would be even more of a money maker for them in the long run because people would be excited to be purchasing those. Oh items. yeah. I suppose the down the other possibility is that people just don't of larger sizes never shopped at Brooks Brothers so maybe they would just it wouldn't be on their radar that's the big thing a lot of them have done what I've seen is you you really have to heavily put it out there that you are expanding your line Bonobos is another company that did an amazing job with extending their sizes and they pushed it really hard and they showed everyone they had that Um, most big guys have never shopped before ever or if they have, yeah. it's been a terrible, terrible uh, experience. So because of that, like I, until I started modeling, I was almost strictly wearing my father's hand-me-downs and Hot Topic t-shirts. And that was like just the array, the size, that's just what was, mm-hmm. what was an option to me. So when you're dealing with marketing to a big guy, it's important to know that you're dealing with uh, someone who is already turned off by the whole experience of shopping and fashion. So it's hard to, to get them interested in clothing because they've already had terrible experiences. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of prove to them they're going to have a good experience with you. It's kind of, and it's the same in plus size fashion, like in the women's side, a lot of the times you're dealing with someone who is already hurt. Mm -hmm. So because of that, you kind of have to put on your kid's gloves when you're, when you're dealing with your customer because everyone, they already have, you know, a lot of insecurity and you don't want to be the person to trigger that insecurity again for them. I've walked in, there's been plenty of stores just um, earlier this year. I don't remember the name of the shop uh, slash won't say the name of the shop. And I was in Atlanta and I walked into a store that I thought had cool stuff in the window 
and I was within three feet of the front door. A sales associate ran over to me like, hey, um, you shopping for a friend or a loved one? And I was like, no, I was going to see if you had anything in my size. And they're like, ah, well... Just so you know, we don't. We, they might, and she was just trying to be nice. Right. She was like, they might extend one day. They might, and I was like, okay, I'll leave. And it was just weird. And that's happened to me multiple mm-hmm. times where it's like you just walk into those stores, and that happened. And I'm a big guy, but there are so many guys way bigger than me with way more intense experiences than I have. So it's it, it's important. It's so needed because I I think that. Uh, plus size fashion helps people so much because it helps people who feel terrible about themselves for so long finally start to feel good about themselves. But it's it's hard to get them there. It's kind of like trying to get someone to go to therapy for the first time. They have a bad idea of it. They need it. It'll help them. But you have all of your own stigmas and hangups behind doing it that it's hard to take that first plunge. Yeah, junior high was a real tough time for me and I think a lot of people. And I remember, I distinctly remember being in limited two and nothing would fit me. And having the salesperson be like, well, you know, you've just outgrown it. But all of my other friends could fit into it. And it was just because I had gone through, I was turning into a woman. And it should have been more of a celebratory thing rather than like, well, you know, too bad. I remember with boys, we had the husky section, which was awful. So I had to be, when all my friends were in like the normal clothing, I had to be in husky clothing. And then after husky was over... I was just I was in the men's department by the time I was like mm-hmm. 11. Mm-hmm. So, which was a little better. Honestly, Husky was weird. Husky is scarier than being in the men's department. There's a little bit of a pride being like, oh, "I'm a man now," even <laughs> though I was 11 years old. <laughs> but it but it still is weird cuz I couldn't I was, you know, dressed like someone going in for a job interview at 12 years old because that's right. all they had. Well, and also I think part of that is just like not being able to fit in with your friend or feeling that's yeah. one more thing that you can't fit in. We talk about this or we try to talk about this a lot in on this podcast, but just that, you know, we're very aware that women have body issues and mm-hmm. that's really important to talk about, but that men don't always feel like they're allowed to talk about their mm-hmm. insecurities with their bodies and things like that. What kind of, I mean, what I'm, you let me hear what you have to say about it. So. I mean, no, you're absolutely right. The big thing, trying to get men to open up about the way they feel. Men are taught from a very, very early. Now it's changing. And hopefully this next generation is, uh, it fixes a lot of it. I tell my, my daughter's two months old and I'm just like, man, it's going to be so cool when you grow up. Oh, everyone's going to be, that. and in my head, I'm like, everyone's going to be so nice to each other. And like, <laughs> but I don't know if that's true. I'm sure people think that, but you know, we were like the generation that grew up in that ideal that, um, boys can't cry. If you show any sort of emotion, it's a sign of weakness. You can't do that. And that's not true. That's silly stupid stuff I mean because you know if your emotion isn't weakness it's just a sign that you're a cognizant (laughs) conscious human being and you react to stuff it's a sign of a healthy psyche that you actually are reacting and you're not a psychopath that feels nothing but um, it's because of that those like old school like 1950s masculine idealisms it's very hard for men to open up because they're like, oh, we're not supposed to talk. And it doesn't matter. I'm a guy. I'm not supposed to care how I look like. Meanwhile, you have guys like me who have thought terrible about themselves since they were like nine years old who spent 
all of high school with disordered eating and abusing prescription drugs and doing all these things, trying to make yourself thinner. And we just couldn't talk about it because it was, you weren't supposed to be doing it. It was a very secret shame because you couldn't open up to your guy friends about it at all. Every now and then you'd open up to your female friends if you were lucky enough to have some. Mm -hmm. Um, But another thing, when a guy is younger and is feeling bad about themselves, they don't have many female friends either because it's that's a whole other insecurity to add on to the pile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I ask a follow up question? Of course. I was because I was thinking about this, too, that that being said, all that, which I think that some women aren't fully aware of or think about fully that men are also going through a lot of the same things that women are going through with their bodies and things like that. Have you faced pushback from people that, you know, the plus size models for women have been a thing for a little while and people are mm-hmm. trying to move forward there. Have you faced pushback from women saying like, oh, and then this guy just comes on and he doesn't, you, you were saying like the, the female models work out, so the plus size yeah. work out so hard and whatever, and you're feeling more like, well, I can sort of just be a person. Is that a thing at all? Or is that not something that you've experienced? Or well, maybe- as far as like pushback, not really. For the most part, it's been huge open arms. I mean, I get trolls like everyone else does. 99% of my trolls are men. And I'm sure 99% of trolls, period, are men. Yeah. And that's just the way it works. And the few female trolls I have had, or I mean, for one, it's on the internet, so I don't even know if they are female. They could just have a female picture. Um, but I think a lot of it is rooted in like just this like hyper conservative ideal of like a man needs to be a man. And that comes from both sides. And that's why they're like, oh, you're not. I've had so many people come to me and it's just, being like stop calling yourself plus size stop calling yourself brawn you're just fat and you're gonna die and you're gonna have diabetes and all this i've had people who've claimed to be doctors be like you're gonna die within the year i don't know why you're promoting this and i'm just like what are you talking about you want to race i don't know like (laughs) i always see these people and i'm just like what are you talking i don't know it's our whole idea of health in like when it comes to the relation of body size is just nuts. Mm-hmm. I will never, I mean, weight can be a contributing factor to some issues. That's, but it is not the defining factor mm-hmm. of issues. And I think that's the main thing people don't understand is sometimes you can have a, it's sometimes you're just sick and it has nothing to do with the fact that you're heavy. It has to do with the fact that you're sick. And, but people always go, it's much easier to kind of attack people on their weight based on anything else. I know so many skinny people with heart conditions, mm-hmm. with diabetes, with yeah. all, like, and I don't, but that's always put on to a person of weight for some right. reason. So kind of going back to what you were saying with um, pushback from women, I guess, women in general, even though they, it, they're, I'm sure they can be just as horrible as men sometimes. Uh, because I feel like women are allowed to be a little more in touch with their souls growing up (laughs) they tend to just be kinder in general Mm -hmm. so it's it's usually like male trolls and that are pissed and a lot of times it's jealousy a lot of times these guys that have grown up in this jersey shore world where they needed to go to the gym every single day and have the six-pack to have any sort of validation that now that nothing upsets a hurt person more than seeing another person happy they, it Absolutely. makes them furious because they're like, ah, you're so much worse than me, but I feel terrible about myself. So you feeling good about yourself right. is wrong. And that's where like a lot of these yeah. 
insecurities and like this viciousness from people comes from. And luckily, we're in showbiz, and so it's just a breeding ground for we just for got all of this. We just got used to being judged on a daily basis. I mean, castings. <laughs> let's like modeling and acting. Ninety nine percent of castings is all right. Come in so I can look at your face and tell you <laughs> if you can stay or not. And then, <laughs> and a, a, a popular thing in a musical theater is getting like. What is it called? They just like cut. So they'll like Cuts, have you. Yeah. They'll they'll have you walk in, in a line. You don't even sing or dance mm-hmm. or anything. And then they're like, "Not you, not you. You go home." And you're like, "I didn't even do anything yet." I know it's insane. That happened at every audition I went. To, every musical musical theater audition I went to my first two years because they would also I I do great in the monologue, but then yeah. you have to dance. Dancing is what, what killed fuck? my musical theater career. I just want to put that out. Like if every show in the world was like Les Mis where I just had to do that little two step, I think I'd be okay. Right. But the fact is every audition I'd go out for and I did okay. Like I'd get callbacks sometimes and then they'd be like, all right, we want you to come back to the dance call. And I'd be like, ah, here it goes. The biggest disappointment in my life was when, not the biggest, I've had way bigger, but the biggest, <laughs> but a large disappointment was when I was, I got a callback for when Young Frankenstein, mm-hmm. um, it was it had just, it had been on Broadway. I hadn't seen it yet, and it was doing its first national tour, and I was like 22 or something like that. And I got a call back to play the monster, and I was so pumped. I was so pumped. And Young Frankenstein is one of my favorite movies of all time. And they're like, you got to come to the dance call. And I was like, I'm playing the monster. I don't have to do anything. And Because in the movie, his dance is like this clodhopper and like not like stompy thing. Uh, In the stage show, he does a full tap number, apparently. Which is not fair. So then they're trying to show me this tap thing. I had to go out and buy tap shoes. I was trying to practice, and my landlord, who lived in the building at the time, came up and he like knocks on the door. He's like, "What are you guys tap dancing in here?" And then he looks at my shoes and he goes, "Oh." Like, and I said, "Yeah, sorry." So it's it's uh, everything. That's what I, I had the similar like when you're talking about like getting cut. That was the same to me. And unless there was a show like that, there was like you can play Frankenstein. Right. I was not like right away. They were like, well, the girl lead is uh five four and you're six six. Uh, see ya. And that was always just the whole thing. Mm. Or the or the other man you're playing against, the guy that you have to sword fight and who's supposed to beat you in a sword fight is a foot shorter than you. <laughs> we don't know if people will believe it. And it's like, yeah. okay, I'll Have you leave. thought about doing like a cabaret show or something? Just like a one-man like cabaret show? I, yeah, yes, slash, no. I'm yeah, not, I've not, I've never been a big fan of cabarets personally. Totally. I just, and I love one-man shows, but I don't love one-man musical cabaret shows. Mm. I don't know why, and, I, and I'm and i a bad theater kid for thinking this, but I'm just not, I just, I like a narrative, I guess, and even when they try to string together a narrative, this is very, like, this is very petty of me, but when they try to, like, string together a narrative with what happens to be their favorite musical theater songs and try to make it make sense, I'm always like, ah, okay. Like, I'd rather you just call it a concert. I'm like, come see me sing these songs. I'd be like, cool. But when they're like, I don't know, the transition's always driving us. But meanwhile, like one man shows, like I've watched like every John Leguizamo one man show ever. Mike Birbiglia does amazing one man shows. I love one man shows. Wait, did you see um the the new one, Mike Birbiglia's? Oh yeah, right after oh, I had a baby, so that was good. fun. Oh, wow. oh, so good though. It was. Oh, it's so did true. You? No, it was just 
like correct <laughs> it was so accurate it's so weird well i want to talk about dolce and gabbana yeah um so we saw you posted on instagram that you were in italy yes at, like a 16th century like villa yes and that was like how long ago did you actually that film the campaign and then in november oh wow okay so not like, too no, long it ago pretty, it was a pretty quick turnaround okay as far as those so laura things was go. pregnant Laura was very pregnant. Very we pregnant. had her mother come up because okay. she was 38 weeks pregnant. Oh, goodness. And I was just like, oh, she might pop while I'm gone. So Doing we had. Doing Well, and Italy. that was the thing. That's and I had crazy. already said that I was not going to take a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. Like, I turned down work during, like, around her due date because I was like, no, it's not worth it. I'm going to turn this down. And then Tolce and Gabbana called, which I was like, get out. There's yeah. no way. Because I do have a question about them. Yeah. Were you one of their first brawn? I was their first, yeah, okay. by far. Because by far. I, was I first... am used to looking at fa those high fashion. I was the first, from what I know, I'm sure someone will correct me, but from what I know, I was the first like luxury, uh, like that was the first time any of the luxury high fashion houses used a uh, uh, plus size man, big and tall, or whatever you want to say. What's you look that amazing. Ad? Thank you. By the way. Thank you. What One thing that's really good about what they did is... And they released the pictures kind of piecemeal. So at first it was like, look at Zach. He's in a nice outfit. Oh, that's a nice coat. And then there was another one like, now he's wearing a sweater. Isn't that good? And then a week later, and he's like, here's him naked with silk draped over his crotch. And I was just I like. I had that blown up. It's on my ceiling. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> I made no. a copy for your wife. <laughs> and the bet, yeah, it was so, that was fun and terrifying. Because I was very much like, oh, they're using a big and tall guy. This is great. We didn't have, I personally did not have a lot of detail about what this shoot was going to be. Just, you're going to shoot Dolce & Gabbana, and you're going to go to Milan, and you're going to go to Lake Como, where George Clooney lives, and <laughs> you're going to, not where he lives, but you know yeah. he lives in that area, and you're going to shoot with them. And I was like, yeah, whatever you say, no questions asked. And then I was on set, and I met the photographer. Her name is Nima Badati, and she is unbelievable. And she was kind of like explaining the shoot, what she was going for. And I was like, oh, okay. And then halfway through, she starts, she kept saying um, something about Rubens and I like John Paul Rubens and I, or Peter Paul Rubens, I don't know, Peter Paul and Mary, whatever. Rubens. <laughs> and I didn't know who that was or what was happening. And then, you know, so I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. She's like, I'm doing, I really wanted to be inspired to look like a Rubens painting. I'm like, totally. Sounds good. <laughs> we get home. I get home that night. I look on my phone and like I connect to the Wi-Fi, look on my phone and go, Rubens, who is this? And I was like, oh, Rubens, as in the term Rubenesque, as in the oh. terms naked and yeah. curvy and like because all of his paintings were of like um, larger women, but also larger men, like just in full display. And that's where the term Rubenesque came from, which I did not know. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, am I going to? And even then I'm like, how much skin am I going to show? And then they they showed me. They're like, here's, they're like, yeah. And I was like, what am I modeling? And they're like, uh, this necklace and this brooch. And I said, oh, okay. And they're like, yeah. And then we'll figure out the rest. So they just kind of like, and they created these like silk togas for me. And I mean, the it was pictures nuts. are incredible. Thank you. Everyone, it was, lo you look great. Everyone looks great. They're beautiful. It was the scariest photo shoot of my life. But also it was one of those things where I was like, all right, Zach, you're on, you're with the big boys now. You're on the big stage. You cannot, 
like I was like, I cannot look uncomfortable. I cannot say no to anything because I again, it hadn't been fully explained to me what they were going for. It was just like, you're going to be in a Dolce & Gabbana ad. I was like, phenomenal. If I got a phone call saying, will you be naked in a Dolce & Gabbana ad, I'd be like, oh, I don't know about that. But um, but I'm glad it happened the way it did. And I was to- I was totally willing to do it because in my head, one of the big things with um, in the plus fashion industry is that women are immediately expected to be doing swim and lingerie and all this mm. stuff. Like it's not even an option. You're just expected to do it. Mm. And men aren't. Um, so I was like, it's re- it's super important that this is a thing I do. So I've only gone shirtless a couple of times or like naked. So like, and that was for America's Next Top Model. I got naked. Um, for Dolce & Gabbana, I got naked. And then I did swim for like one of my clients once. And other than that, I'm like super wary of it well what was so. the situation when you were walking the runway in australia oh yeah no that was a swim show that was, an, that was that's what i'm talking about yeah that was that right. was the uh the iconic swim show which is a yearly event in australia for the company called the iconic <laughs> and they do a huge show every year this one was right on sydney harbor um cool. it was gorgeous it was but it was my first show i'd ever walked and i didn't know anything and like i'd you know practice my walk and tried to you know get things right and i was like i'm sure i know how to walk and then i showed up and the first day they're like all right good you know this is the runway we're gonna go through a rehearsal like just so you know it's long it's like a it's like a 141 second runway and i was like i don't know what that means And I was like, is that longer? Is that long for runways? I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, do I have to do it in exactly like 141? Like I had no. And they're like, just walk. It's fine. I was like, oh, okay. Like there's still like five years into this career. Like every now and then I get thrown a curveball like that. I'm like, is that a piece of terminology I'm supposed to know? Because I didn't know that was a way to measure. Like if you said it was 80 feet, I'd be like, cool. But like, they're like, no, it's 141 minutes. I was like, oh, or so, oh, cool. How does that work? Yeah. Did you walk shirtless for that then? The or? second pass. Yes. So mm. I did two out, three outfits. I did three outfits. I walked three times. That's a lot in a fashion Good job. show. I didn't even realize that until just now. <laughs> I walked three times. Um, so I did one. I was, I had a shirt for all of them, mm-hmm. and then. Um, you know, they'd either be like buttoned down a little bit, and then. I was egged on slash encouraged by um, Robin Lawley, who's a huge supermodel. Um, she was one of the first women, uh, uh, like curve models, to do uh, Sports Illustrated and all that stuff. And she's an amazing, amazing model. And um, we'd become friends. And she was talking to me, and she's like, "You know, you have to take off your shirt, right?" And I was like, "Huh?" And she's like, you have to do it. And she's like, just started like pushing it, but in like a very encouraging, yeah. nice way. And I was like, I know, I think it would be a big, because she was like, so you're shirtless for your uh, looks? And I said, no, they all have shirts. And she's like, you're going to have to pop one off. And I was like, what? Am I allowed <laughs> to do that? And they're like, she's like, just do it. She goes, I wouldn't even ask. And I was like, okay. So at her encouragement, she's like, you have to, it'll be a big thing. It'll, it'll, it'll be important. So I did my two walks. And on the third one, I walked out, got to the end of the runway at the turning point, took off my shirt there, and then walked back. So So badass. It was fun. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. 
And the best part is right before I went out there, I had undone a couple buttons to make it easier. And like the head stylist would check you right before, before you go out on the runway. Just when I was about to go, she goes, oh, you missed a couple buttons. And oh. she like <laughs> redid up the buttons. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Just you wait. Yeah. Was there um like, were people freaking out? Like the, the actual yeah. clients? Or were they like, oh, that's cool. I found out later the clients apparently it had been discussed between my agent and the clients that they wanted that. But my agent was like, he didn't want me to feel forced into anything. Josh Stevens is my manager and he's the most amazing person in the world. Um, and Trianne Marks, who is my representation in Australia. That's another weird thing about being a model. You have like agents in different areas. So I have an Australian agent. Um, but they were amazing and they didn't want me to feel like pressured into anything. So... It was kind of like this unspoken thing where like the client wanted it to happen but couldn't ask me to do it technically. And so but luckily I we were on the same page cuz I was like I don't want to do a swim show and the fat guy on the runway is the one dude that keeps his shirt on <laughs> like cuz everyone else was wearing yeah. swimsuits. So I was like this is important. So so it was cool. It was really it was scary. It was fun. I felt very free and very happy, and I'm glad I did it. So it, was, it also made like future fashion shows way easier. That the first one I do, I'm like basically naked in Sydney Harbor, just walking around. <laughs> do you find that women models, female models, get that type of treatment from their managers and agents the same way? If they have a good one, they have a yes. Good one. But it it's really it really depends. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of a lot what happens in this industry is kind of up to your representation a lot of the times they're the ones who negotiate things on your behalf and it's so important to have a good relationship with with your representation because your life your career is just kind of in their hands there's plenty of stuff you can do on your own but they're the ones who kind of make everything happen so it's really important to like check and that's something with img specifically again i can only speak to img they're the only modeling agency i've ever been with so but just part of their culture there is so much about developing this person into what their vision of their best selves is so they don't really force you into anything that's you feel uncomfortable with. they'll encourage you if they're like i think this is a big step i mm -hmm. think you should but if you don't want to do it it's cool mm -hmm. that's great well so through the years i've watched your instagram account grow you have like close to a hundred thousand. No, nah, I have eighty nine or something like that. I always round 000. up. You know, I, I like say that. Like say hundred thousand. It's a lot. <laughs> I have thirty nine thousand million fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Do you feel pressure to post on social media and yeah. to engage and oh comment and all that sort of stuff? It's... How do you manage your? We always talk about this, but like life, life, work balance, and because it is, it seems like especially being who you are and what you do, yeah. very important. Because even I went to to I googled you, and then I went to IMG, and then for your bio, you actually just click and it goes straight to your Instagram. I bet it does, and that's it's, that's, always, it's, it's so, so important now, and I hate it. I hate it well, so for much. auditions, for just for commercials nowadays, Everything. I have to put my handle. They're like, what's your handle? What's your yeah. following? And even with um, my like, just the other day, I'm I'm up for a job, and my agent's like re looking at my. I can. He's over the phone, and he's like, let me just check this out. And he's looking at my Instagram, and he's telling me because Wait, they don't. No, he didn't tell me to delete oh, anything. Okay. He was, but he was double checking. He goes, this all looks fine. This is all good. But every now and then, I'll post something stupid. <laughs> I'll be like, don't please take that down. Um, <laughs> but it's because you're when you're especially in the modeling industry 
your Instagram becomes, they don't look at your actual portfolio that you have like on IMG's website or like the portfolio I like bring to auditions in my hands. They don't look at any of that stuff. They look at your Instagram. So it's important to kind of keep a certain level of professionalism, I guess, which is stupid, but also you're expected to be personable at the same time. I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, but I think it's just because I got burnt out by it. I still do it. Like, I honestly do the bare minimum on Instagram nowadays. Just like every few days, just like a, essentially like a reminder I'm still alive post. <laughs> but it's also so fickle because you can post some stuff. Like, if I do get personal and I open up about, like, my wife and my family and stuff like that, I'll start losing followers, like, instantly. Because people expect you to keep this certain mystique of being it's like you have to be personal but like you have to be like a high you have to be like a Chrissy Teigen personal like okay look at her just interacting with her family in her mansion and like you know what I mean like an on brand personal yes people don't like when I like when they look at a video of me and I'm in my wood paneled room (laughs) with like with a nine foot radiator and a window air conditioner they're like oh He's just like us, but not in the fun way. And I'm like, okay. So it's, it's, it is so important, but it's all, and it's also is an opportunity. And there have been times I've loved being on Instagram and like, I tried to start like a morning talk show thing on my own Instagram page and I lost like 5,000 followers. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, raining it, never mind. Because there was a lot of people like, we don't want to hear you. We don't care. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, it's, Social media is so hard because you do you need to be like your authentic self, but you do have to be on brand at the same time. Otherwise, people are like, this is weird. And I'm like, I'm just a normal dude. And like if they they don't want to see me like playing the new Dragon Ball Z video game, (laughs) they're they're just like, aren't you a fashion model? And I'm like, yeah, but Frieza's coming and I got to get Goku up to the next level. So it's like it's. <clears throat> it's very strange, but it's in, it's so important. Like I can't stop posting. Mm-hmm. I have to be posting and I actually need to step it up and I need to start getting back into doing stories and doing all this stuff. And, but I, all of my growth on social media has been totally natural mm-hmm. because I have not put in the work <laughs> to oh, <no>. grow it <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. So it's just happened because like, and another big thing is like a lot of people in the industry buy a lot of followers, which is interesting. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and you can always tell they buy followers when suddenly it, they're following like one day there's, this, there's, um, there's somebody who I would follow and you'd see their following and then it would drop by like 10 or 15,000 people. Oh. And you'd be like, huh? And then it would pop back up the next day and I'm no exactly and it's just crazy and like and also like the bots like you'll pay for followers that are these bots and then Instagram will find them and filter them out mm -hmm. it's so not worth it to pay for it and also any legitimate um, branding company they all have software to tell you like I mean, one of the companies I work for will literally just plug in someone's handle and it'll tell them how many, like what percentage of their followers are fake. Mm-hmm. And it, and everyone has a percentage of fake followers because that's how they like make their profiles look legit. But if it's like, if you have like over five or 10% fake, it's like, ooh, that's not good. That mm-hmm. looks like, cause then you're like, oh, this person was buying. But if you have like 3% fake followers, it's kind of like, mm, mm-hmm. it happens. Mm-hmm. Like right. fake people follow you. Bots, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Social this media. Been, this is 
great. So yeah, I love this episode. It's so fascinating. And you've sort of confirmed what we felt the whole time is that men are people too. No? Aw, <laughs> thanks. I try. So to our young teenage male listeners out there. <laughs> uh, which your huge demographic. <laughs> or at least maybe, you know, for your daughter who can listen to our podcast later on in her life. Totally. What What do you, what's the one thing that you want to, you know, give people? What's the little nugget to take with them about, about body positivity? Um... That's a good one. Um, a couple things. For one, who you are right now is still who you are. Like I was very much that I would not start living my life until I hit a certain point, like until I lost a certain amount of weight or was in a certain shape. Or, and I was like holding back. And even all my own personal dreams, like especially as an actor, I was like, well, I'll get on TV once I become ripped if I just try to do that. And even when I was trying to do that and it wasn't happening because my body doesn't respond that way, it's like – you kind of always convince yourself like I could do this once I lose this amount of weight. And instead you'll be just so amazed what can happen if you just start living your life and start trying to do it. And so all the things that you think of yourself, no one thinks that about you. You are so much meaner to yourself than you are to other people. And if someone does think a mean thing about you, it's usually because they think that exact same mean thing about themselves and that they're projecting it onto you because I know a lot of my insecurities was I was that kid who if I saw a bigger person like had a girlfriend, like if I saw a big guy with a girlfriend in like middle school or high school, I'd be like, how the fuck is this a thing? Is he rich? Is he have a big old dick? Like what's going on? <laughs> Like, just because I was like, I don't understand this. He's And because I couldn't understand that people could be attracted to people mm -hmm. of size because I hated the way I looked so much. So, yeah, I mean, that's a big thing. It's like, don't wait to live your life. But also, like, no one thinks this. You think it. Mm -hmm. And it sucks that you think it. And you also have to, like, break down, like, okay, I think this. It's so helpful to just break everything down. Like, I think this. I am unattractive. Why? Oh, well, because I'm I'm fat. Okay, who told you being fat was bad? Well, no one specifically, but like you don't see fat people anymore. Okay, why? Well, what about the diet industry? They tell you fat is bad. Yeah, because of the diet industry. Almost everyone who's saying something negative about you has a thing to sell you about that negative totally. thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. It is so okay. I say that as someone who works in the fashion industry, but <laughs> it is one of those things. No, you always kind of think of like who stands to profit off of this insecurity I have. And those are usually the people putting those insecurities out into the world that you should want these things. I mean, no one gyms are like they've it's especially even in personal fitness. They've had to really change it since the body positivity movement started happening. They used to just be able to show a picture of six pack abs and be like, you're going to get this if you come here. And if you don't, you're going to be fat. And now they have to like change it into like what makes more sense and it's health like how about just a healthy lifestyle and keeping active and like it's so much more important to do that and it's cool to see the changes slowly happening in the industry but yeah don't if you feel bad about yourself find out who's making money off of you feeling bad about yourself yeah. is really helpful that is perfect we love that advice very much thank you so much no you're welcome how can our listeners find you uh, I'm on the Instagram that I hate posting on <laughs> 
Um, but I need you to follow me because I need jobs. Uh, yeah, he's a fun one. He's and I, I still do. Yeah, I do stuff. I do stuff on it, and I'll get better at it. I think also, like as I said, I kind of paused everything when I had a baby. I was like, yeah. I'm gonna worry about doing daily Instagram stories later, because <laughs> also all I'm doing right now is baby stuff. But people don't like seeing constant right. babies. <laughs> I was before I had a baby. I even on my Facebook, I'd be like, oh, another baby post. <laughs> And now I'm like, I totally get it. This is your whole life. This is every aspect of it. But anyway, you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> it's very fun. At Zach Miko, Z-A-C-H-M-I-K-O. Um, and on the other stuff, I'm going to start writing for Chubster again soon. At Chubster is their Instagram handle because they're great. Uh, C-H-U-B-S-T-R. Yeah, there's no E. That's their whole thing. So, but anyway, yeah. And I don't know. Uh, Dolce & Gabbana's ads are out. I'm on lots of, uh, if you Google big and tall, you'll find me. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you. This of course. Amazing. This is a blast. Awesome. Uh, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. And have we got a place for you to go for Valentine's stuff? Because as you know, free stuff is the best. But free stuff that will ignite your Valentine's Day is even better. Check this out. When you go to adamneve.com and select almost any one item, you'll get it at 50% off. That's amazing by itself. But here's where they load on the free stuff. When you enter our exclusive code at checkout, Horio, not only do you get 50% off the one item, you'll also get 10 tantalizing free items. First, for your viewing pleasure, six free movies. Next, a free mystery pack that includes an item for him, a special toy for her, and something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, free shipping! Now, that's a lot of free Valentine stuff. So head on over to adamandeve.com and be sure to use offer code HORIO. Again, that's a okay. Again, that's W-H-O-R-E-O. Because without it, there will be no free Valentine stuff. So that's Horeo, W-H-O-R-E-O, at autumnandeve.com. Have a wonderful Valentine's Day. <laughs> and now, for your listening pleasure, we thought it'd be fun, instead of playing a Reformed Horse song, we're going to play one of the Dream Stocks. So take it away, Zach and Karen. You see, kids, between the ages of 10 and 14, your body starts to go through lots of changes. These changes, which can occur over a number of years, is generally referred to as... Puberty. What's going on down there, down there? What's going on down there? What's going on down there, down there? What's going on down there? Puberty is named for the time when your body begins to develop and change. We're talking about stuff like girls getting breasts and boys starting to look like men. It's important to know that everybody goes through these changes. Whether you're black or a white or a boy or a girl or Christian or going to hell. We're sure that you have many questions, but we ain't gonna let you down. We're here to make sure you don't become the weird kid in your town. What's going on down there, down there? What's going on down there? What's going on down there, down there? What's going on down there? Curls, you notice that suddenly your chest is getting bigger. Sometimes not as big as you like, but hey, some guys like that. Boys, you know how you talk real high. Well, soon you're gonna talk real low. I can't guarantee it'll be as sexy as me or James or Joe. you get hair on your legs and under your arms and other funny spaces. But they have very nice grooming kits for all your special places. What's going on down there, down there? What's going on down there? What's going on down there, down there? What's going on down there? Three testicles drop 
down one by one And your penis stands up like a soldier's gun Remember to keep it tucked away For that special lady you'll meet one day Once a month you'll find yourself in a really awful mood That's called PMS and it's okay to be super duper rude You wake up and think that you went to bed But it's just that naughty dream you've had Some sticky semen left behind from your prostate working overtime What's going on down there, down there? What's going on down there? What's going on down there? This all seems really scary, kids, but don't worry, because there's a light at the end of the tunnel. One day you'll grow up to be big and beautiful adults, just like us. Yeah, like me. Hey. Well, Zach, I don't think puberty is finished until both testicles have descended. <laughs> oh, I suppose you're right. Hey, when are your breasts coming in? <laughs> hey, I can't wait to see what your face looks like when all that baby fat is gone. You know, I thought only men had mustaches, Karen. <laughs> hey, Zach, I forget. Is your penis an inny or an outie? You said the size doesn't matter. Well, it sure does help. What's going on down there, down there?